Blessed Thursday, we greet you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And what, what a joy it is to have each and every one of you to join us as far as uh, our Bible study that we call TNT uh, here at St. Paul. Thank each and every one of you for taking time out of your busy schedules to join us as far as this time together is concerned. And I see people are coming in on the chat. So if you don't mind, just just say hello in the chat. We greatly appreciate um, your attendance uh, as well as your gathering uh, in this particular moment. God be praised for each and every one of you. We're going to finish up Galatians. Galatians. Uh, chapter 6, starting at verse 11. We have been pouring through Galatians for the past several weeks, and it is my hope and prayer that the Lord has uh, inspired you and that you have been uplifted as far as this uh, lesson, this teaching is concerned. So we thank God for each and every one of you. Um, and as we bring Galatians to a close, we're looking forward to um, uh, this wrap up uh, as far as our time together. So I want to, if I could, lead us in a word of prayer. Uh, and I see people that are joining us. And again, you all humble me. You really do humble me uh, with your presence as well as with the uh, support that you give as far as our Bible study is concerned. So let's do this. Let's go to the, to the Lord in prayer and we'll get started as far as this moment is concerned. God, we thank you right now for the sufficiency of your grace. We pray that by the power and presence of the Holy Spirit that you will be in our midst. Lord, have your way with us, in us, and through us, and as you often do in spite of us as we prepare to study your word at this particular moment. You are the master teacher. So come teach us your precepts. Let your word be a lamp unto our feet. And align to our pathways so that we can gather and glean and grow and uh, become all that you would have for us to be. It is in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Galatians chapter six. Galatians chapter six, starting at verse 11. And uh, we're bringing this particular letter to a close as far as our time together is concerned. So let's go to work. Galatians chapter six, starting at verse 11. And it reads like this from the New King James Version of Scripture. See with what large letters I have written to you with my own hand. I want you to underline all of that. I want you to underline all of that. Paul is doing something here, and I'm going I'm to unpack that for you in just a moment. Verse 12. As many as desire to make a good showing in the flesh, these would compel you to be circumcised, only that they may not suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. If you would, I want you to circle the word desire. I want you to circle the word compel. I want you to underline the phrase to be circumcised. Then I want you to highlight only that they may not suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. Verse 13, for not even those who are circumcised keep the law, highlight that, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. 
verse 14. But God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus. If you would highlight the phrase that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus, by whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Underline that phrase. Verse 15. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision or uncircumcision avails anything but a new creation. If you would um, highlight the phrase, a new creation. Verse 16, as many as walk according to this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. I want you to highlight that whole verse and I want you to underline the Israel of God and I want you to circle the words peace and mercy. Verse 17. From now on, let no one trouble me for I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. Highlight the phrase for I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. Verse 18. Brethren, circle the word brethren, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. If you would highlight the phrase, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. Got a lot to unpack right here. A lot to unpack. Um, and I want to help us to really appreciate what, what Paul is driving home as far as this last passage of scripture is concerned. Because when we get to verse 11, what Paul has been doing up until this point is dictating this letter to his secretary or to his executive assistant or personal assistant. He's been speaking words. The scribe has been writing down everything he's been saying. But now in verse 11, Paul takes the pen and he writes the conclusion with his own hand. And he is basically going after the agitators, the Judaizers, and pleads with the Galatians to really come to grips with this new creation that God is uh, bringing to bear in their body, especially when it comes to their social identity as being sons and daughters of God. Now, notice what it says. See with what large letters I have written to you with my own hand. This is like when you send a text message to someone and you do all caps. That's what Paul is doing here. He's doing all caps now. He's doing all caps. Uh, and this is really to let the Galatians know, hey, uh, no longer is my scribe writing this. I'm writing this myself. I'm writing this myself for emphasis. Okay, I really want to emphasize this last portion of scripture this last portion of the letter, rather, that I'm writing you. Now, I think it's very important because I want to drive home this point that Paul had no earthly idea that the letters he was writing would eventually become what we consider to be scripture, the word of God. He, he had no idea that, that this was coming to, to bear. Okay? So when we look at when we look at what he is writing, when we look at what he is bringing to, to pass, Paul is just writing letters. He's just 
writing letters, just writing letters. Not in a million years did he think that his letters that he wrote will become scripture by which we ascribe our Christian growth and development to. So again, this like reading somebody else's mail, like reading somebody else's text messages. Paul has shifted the tone of his letter for two things. Number one, for emphasis. And number two, to let the people of Galatia know, this is me, that's, that's, that's writing this. So um, as we comb through this and we go to verse 12, Paul is really driving home uh, this point with these Judaizers. And again, we've been talking about the Judaizers for quite some time. The Judaizers were persons who had crept into the church at Galatia to tell them, hey, if you really want to be a follower of Jesus Christ, if you really want to be people of the way, you all got to be circumcised. You got to become like a Jew as far as your flesh is concerned. So you got to be circumcised. So Paul is saying in verse 12, as many as desire to make a good showing in the flesh, they will compel you to be circumcised only that they may not suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. And this is very interesting because the one drives home. And I'm trying to figure out how, how, how to put this. Paul, in so many words, is saying these Judaizers, all they want to do is show you off. Show you off. Okay? And they wanted you to engage in circumcision just to please people, to make a good impression in the flesh because they are scared of persecution and they want to basically boast about how many people of Galatia, they were able to win over the circumcision as a religious and merit-earning right. Okay? So Paul is saying, hey, watch out for these Judaizers. They're creating trouble and confusion in our church because all they want to do is make a good impression, but they're being insincere. All right? And this thing about false teachers, and I want to drive this home. False teachers sound good, uh, but they are insincere in their motives. They're trying to compel the Galatians to be circumcised because they want to win the Galatians to Judaism, not to see them fulfill the law. In other words, they're, they, they, they're trying to syncretize Christianity or being a follower of Jesus with Judaism. All right. So. When we see the word compel, and I think that's a very important word in this, in, in this verse, the word compel basically means to force or drive someone to a particular action. Now, as crazy as it sounds, I'm getting ready to drop this on you. Jesus does not want to compel us to follow him. He wants us to do it, what, willingly. All right. Doesn't want us to compel. He wants us to do it willingly. Now, let me, if I could, I, I, I want to drive something home because I think that even in today's culture, this can apply to us. Because there are some churches 
there are some pastors uh, who believe that my ministry is validated or our church is validated by how many people who walk down the aisle, by how many people who join, by how many people we baptize. And all of that is good. You know, people joining the church, people getting baptized, having new members, going through new members. Class. All of that is good. But a person can become arrogant uh, because what that does is it can alienate other believers and cause division in the body of Christ. So you don't boast in numbers, but you ought to boast in Christ in the sense that God is changing the lives of people that are coming your way. All right. All right. Now, let, let me let me really drive this home because this is this is a good point that Paul is 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 helping us to understand. Paul says that basically the reason that they want to be circumcised is to avoid persecution. Because back then, Christians or people who followed Jesus Christ were being persecuted by Jews as well as the Roman government. Okay, they're being persecuted by Jews as well as the Roman government. So by making the Galatians followers of Judaism, they could avoid the backlash from the Jews who were trying to wipe out people who were following Jesus Christ. Okay. Now, this is where I really want to drive home this point. Because we're living in a time now where people do not appreciate the essence of the cross. Because notice what Paul says, not only, only that they may not suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. Because for the Jews, it was scandalous to die on the cross. For the Gentiles, it was even worse because they understood that if you were crucified, you were an enemy of the state. All right. So Paul is saying it is the cross of Jesus Christ that really makes the difference for us when it comes to appreciating the length that God goes through to redeem us. Now, I, I need to say something here because I'm running up against um, some scholars, some seminary people uh, and others who would contend that, hey, God did not have to send Jesus to die for our sins. They do not believe in what is called the substitutionary atonement of Jesus Christ. They do not believe that God had Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. They, they don't want to have, they're, they're, they're almost like these, these sympathizers, these Judaizers rather, trying to get other people um, circumcised. And I think that it's very important for us as Christians to understand two things, the cross or the crucifixion of Jesus Christ and his resurrection have major implications for us and our salvation 
when it comes to being in relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And I, I, I got to drive home this point because the legalists knew that the cross or the offense or the stink from the cross could be mitigated if they proclaim justification, watch this, by faith and works. In other words, if I have faith and I'm circumcised, then I'm good. Now, I, I really want to try to drive this home. If I have faith and I'm circumcised, then I'm good. But our relationship with God through Jesus Christ is predicated on faith alone by the grace of God. So my faith is what makes me right with God. My works show that I'm right with God. But my works don't make me right with God. I work because I am in right relationship with God. All right, so let me let me make this plain for us. Let me see if I can bring it home. When we talk about being saved by faith or being justified by faith, that's it. You and I are made right with God because we place our faith and confidence in Jesus Christ as our Lord and our Savior. Now, if you're with me, just put it in the chat. Got it, Pastor. All right? My faith. God gives that to us by grace. We can't earn it. We can't pay for it. We can't come to church enough. We can't read our Bible enough. We can't pay enough in tithes and offerings to get saved. All right? I hope, I, I hope I'm making sense. However, because I am saved, because I am in right relationship with God, I come to church. I give tithes and offerings. I do works. Um, I treat, you know, um, uh, people right. I'm engaged in mission and ministry. All right? Okay? I don't do that stuff to get saved. I do that stuff because what? I am saved. All right. Now, let me really drive home what we're dealing with in today's culture. Because the Judaizers wanted to reject the death of Christ. They did not want to have anything to do with the cross. Because to accept that Jesus died on the cross meant several things. Number one, it meant that you and I are sinners under a curse. And if you and I are sinners under a curse, a sacrifice is required. And the only the death of Christ on the cross secured our salvation. And that you and I can do nothing to obtain salvation except to take on the sacrifice of Jesus on our behalf. And you want to know why that's important? Because we live in a day and a time when people don't want to be told that they are sinners. 
Don't call me no sinner. I'm not a rich or die. Yeah, we all are sinners. And this, I think this is why some people, when they read Paul, because you know, there's a group of folks out there that really want to disown Paul. And if they could, they'll take Paul out the Bible. But if you properly interpret Paul, Paul really lays down good doctrinal foundation that when properly interpreted, really helps us to grow in our relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Now, I hope and pray that, that I can that I can drive this home uh, as far as as far as we're concerned. And and here's here's where I'm trying to go. And hopefully this will bless you and shout you because it's shouting me. Jesus did for us what we could not do for ourselves. Jesus did not have to die on a cross. Jesus did not have to enter the human predicament to make us right with God. He did not have to do any of that. Okay. But he did it because he wanted to see us right with God. Now, here is how the Judaizers can be like so many of us in today's culture. All right. The Judaizers were saying, if you want to be saved, if you want to be right with God, go get circumcised. And if you go get circumcised, you're good. Paul is saying, that ain't how this works. Paul is saying, except you understand that God through Jesus Christ, did for you at Calvary what you could not do for yourself, you missed the boat. Now, let me let me really drive this home. Because unfortunately, in today's culture and even in today's churches, there are people who would think that you are more saved if you come to church a lot and if you give a lot of money and if you... Uh, um, uh, 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 work a lot in the church and, and all of that is, is fine and dandy but that doesn't make you saved that watch this that helps with your discipleship and that helps with you growing in Christ but it doesn't make you saved alright so Paul is basically saying you all are, are slaves to the law rather than being slaves to Christ. All right? And then watch this. Watch watch, watch, watch how he really drives this home. Because he says, for not even those who are circumcised keep the law. In other words, he's saying, even the very folks who are claiming to be circumcised, they ain't keeping the total law. Why? Because if you violate one portion of the law, you violated the whole law. So I can get circumcised but according to the Jewish understanding of the law, I can be circumcised, but if I eat shellfish, I'm violating the law, the whole law. I can be circumcised, but if I don't uh, get the right offering to the temple or the synagogue, I'm violating the law. I can be circumcised, but if I wear mixed apparel, uh, cotton and polyester, or cotton and, and silk, I'm violating the law. Because remember, according to the Jewish law, they had at least 613 to 616, depending on what variation you read, laws. And if you violated 
one aspect of law, you violate all of them. So what Paul is saying is, even the folks who are circumcised don't keep the law well, but they want you to be circumcised so they can go around bragging about how they brought you to Judaism. Okay? Which is why you and I, as followers of Jesus Christ, we are not under the law. The Jews themselves could not keep the law. So why were they trying to force new Christians to become circumcised, binding them to the same law? So here's what the Judaizers were engaging in. They were engaging in negative pride, personal pride, religious pride, national pride, personal pride. Look at who I brought to uh, understand Judaism, religious pride. Judaism really is more than a religion. It's a lifestyle, national pride. We have made them fellow Jews. It's pride all the same. And it has nothing to deal with your eternal destiny. All right? So, so sort of like, <laughs> sort of like what we do today. It's like uh, pick a law, any law. You get a law, you get a law, you get a law. It's sort of like Oprah Winfrey back in the day. You get a law, you get a law, you get a law. Pick any law. And if you violate one of them, you violate all of them. Because Judaizers were emphasizing circumcision as proof of holiness, but ignoring other Jewish laws. All right. We do it today. We do it today. Y'all don't want me to go deep, but I'm getting ready to go deep. We do it today. Mm -hmm. We do it today. We'll condemn drunkenness, but we'll ignore overeating. You do know overeating is a sin. We'll ignore fornication and promiscuity but we'll tolerate prejudice. I know I'm walking heavy right now. Ooh, 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 here, here, here's a good one. We, we're adamant against homosexuality, but we ignore child abuse or spousal abuse. Yeah, I'm walking heavy. Can't pick and choose what mandates you gonna follow. And that's why Paul is saying, basically, your relationship with God through Jesus Christ is not predicated upon the Jewish law, but it's predicated upon something better. Because Jesus, here it is, is the fulfillment of the law. And Jesus even said when he was here on earth, I didn't come to destroy the law, I came to fulfill it. And when, when, when you see me, I am the walking embodiment of the law. I'm the only person that can keep the law perfect. I'm the only person that you will ever come in contact with that has kept the law to the T. Okay? All right? Because watch this, and I'm getting ready to really drive this home, because Jesus was sinless. And because Jesus was sinless, he was able to keep the law with the full intention the way that God wanted to be kept. Let me, let me, let me, let me, let me try to bring this thing home. Because Paul says, but God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus, by whom the world has been crucified to me 
and I to the world. Paul is saying that my boasting is not in my works. It's not in my ministry. It's in the cross of Jesus. For these Judaizers, the cross is shameful. It's derogatory. For Paul, the cross is the glorification of the embodiment of God in flesh in Jesus Christ. All right. And Paul knows what it's like to be like a Judaizer because remember, Paul used to persecute the church. You do remember that, don't you? Paul went after the church until he had a conversion experience on the road to Damascus. Y'all with me? I'm going somewhere with this. When he had an encounter with Jesus, God flipped that script. And the very thing that he used to hate, he now pulls close to him. And this is because the cross talks about the work of atonement of Jesus, which Paul identified with and which basically made the world dead to him and made him dead to the world. All right. Paul could boast about the cross because of what the cross had done in his life. Because remember, when Paul was a legalist trying to, you know, take out the church, he was counting the number of heads he was taking off the map. He was counting the number of people he was able to throw in jail. But he is now saying that because I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, the cross is not an object of shame, but it becomes the modality of transformation. Because of my relationship with God through Jesus Christ, Paul is saying, I can't allow for the world to set the standard for success. I have to now allow for the standard that God holds me to is more than success. It is being faithful to positive transformation. All right. Now, I love how he has this phrase that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Y'all, those three words, ooh, that's powerful. Our Lord Jesus Christ. Lord means that he is ruler. Jesus means that he is savior. Christ means that he is the Messiah, the anointed one of God, okay? Lord Jesus Christ. See, let, let, let me, and, and, and I'm getting ready, I'm getting ready to really mess up a whole lot of us. Y'all might not like what I'm getting ready to say, but I'm going to say it because I think I need to debunk some stuff. The cross back in Paul's day is different from the cross in our day. They didn't wear the cross as jewelry back then. Okay? Let me say it again. They didn't wear the cross as jewelry back then. All right? 
the Romans, the Jews, the Greeks agreed about very few things, but the cross was one of them. For them, the cross was a symbol of shame, terror, criminality, and revulsion. It was the epitome of humiliation. What we have done with the cross, it becomes dear to us as followers of Jesus because it connects us to what Christ did to procure our salvation. But unfortunately, what a lot of us have done is we have, watch this, bastardized the cross. Yeah, silver, gold, diamond encrusted crosses. That ain't what Jesus died on. That ain't what Jesus gave his life for. And the cross in and of itself, whether it's made of gold, silver, or diamond encrusted or whatever, that 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 cross ain't got no power. I've seen folks wear crosses and still cuss you out. I've seen folks that wear cross and still smoking blunts. I've seen people who wear wear crosses and and and, and still do crazy stuff that ain't got nothing to do with Jesus today. These sanitized crosses may let you appreciate its beauty, but they will not confront the arrogant mind that's needed for repentance. You need to go by the real cross and the real cross is not made of diamonds, gold and silver, it is wood. There's a sacrifice that Jesus made for you and for me on the cross. And watch this. And if we ever understood that and we took the cross for what it really is, oh, I'm getting ready to drop some good nuggets on us. You would not wear it, but you would bear it. Help us, Holy Ghost. You wouldn't be so concerned about wearing the cross rather than bearing the cross. Ah, uh, yeah. 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 So, so what is Paul, what is Paul trying to drive home here when he talks about uh, this act of circumcision? Uh, several things. Your Christian family background or your non-believing family background means nothing. Being black, white, Hispanic, Asian, Native American means nothing. Being rich or poor means nothing. Being healthy or differently able means nothing. Being pretty good or having a record down at the jailhouse means nothing. Being a king, queen, President or a servant means nothing. Guess what? When we come to the foot of the cross, we're all on equal ground. And Jesus offers salvation to anyone who will come to him. Verse 15, Paul says, for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision or uncircumcision avail anything but a what? New creation. Now, 
Why is it that Paul is able to say this? Because first of all, Paul is a Jew. Secondly, Paul is a circumcised Jew. And Paul knew that him being circumcised had nothing to do with his salvation. The cross of Jesus Christ puts all of us on equal footing. When a Jew becomes a believer, he or she becomes a new creature in Christ. When a Gentile becomes a believer, he or she becomes a new creature in Christ. How do you become a new creature in Christ? By believing on the Lord Jesus Christ and what Jesus accomplished on that hill called Calvary. And what is that new creation? You and I are being born again by the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And we live in the redemptive, transformative, liberating power of the Holy Spirit. No outward religious symbol makes you saved, which is why folks can wear a cross and still not know who, who Jesus is. That's why folks can wear a cross and do everything that's antithetical to what the cross was meant to do. Oh, I know I'm teaching good right now. That, that, that's, why, that's why folks can wear a cross and do some of the most malignant, crazy things that God shakes his head at. That, that's why folks can wear a cross and engage in the act of slavery. That, that's why folks can wear a cross and still cuss you out. That's why folks can wear a cross and still be filled with arrogance and conceit because outward religious symbols do not make you safe. Yeah, that's why, yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one, Sabrina. That's why folks can burn a cross in your yard. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. Let me go ahead and bring this thing on home. Paul says, for as many as walk according to this rule, peace and mercy be to them and upon the Israel of God. As Paul wraps up this letter, and again, remember that he is doing this in all caps. It's like sending, again, a text message to someone in all caps. When you see that, you know they're like, all loud. Okay. This sentence underlined Paul's entire argument. Paul is basically saying, I'm not dealing with these Judaizers anymore because I know I have destroyed every argument that they have brought our way. So this is how this is how we're gonna flow, and this is what Paul wants us to understand. Paul says, peace and mercy from God are available to those who walk according to this rule, according to the message of salvation by grace through faith alone. All right. That's what the gospel is all about. This rule, that word rule refers to the gospel message that Paul has been defending. All right. 
Um, Paul wants us to understand that this is a work that is done from the inside out, not from the outside in. Right. Actions are an expression of a living trust in Christ, not a substitution for it. So watch this. And I'm, ooh, I'm getting ready to drop a major bombshell on us. You can live a good life without having an inward change and you don't have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Because there are a whole lot of good folks that don't believe in God. And they'll treat you well and they'll be nice to you, but they don't believe in God. So you can live a good life, but the writer of Isaiah says, our righteousness are like filthy rags in his sight. So I can live a good life, but if I don't believe in God, that's that's empty, that's shallow. God wants to change us from the inside, what, out. That's why Paul says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creature, old things pass away, behold, all things have become new, or in some translations, are become new. All right. To those who did follow, Paul said, I'm going to have, I want you to have peace. I want you to have mercy. Peace was a common greeting, shalom. Mercy is you understanding and appreciating the grace that God has demonstrated towards you. Then he says, uh, be upon the Israel of God. Now, this phrase itself is kind of weird. Um, and, and let me tell you what I think that it means in my study. The Israel of God, for me, really refers to the Christian church that's made up of both Jewish and Gentile believers. All right? Um, and, 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 and if you ever read the writings of Paul, particularly in Romans chapter 9 through chapter 11, you will see where Paul is arguing and doing uh, a treatise on the fact that Jews and Gentiles are part of the new Israel. So he deals with this aspect of the new Israel. Um, um, so in my study, that's where I would pull that particular aspect from. Um, when we look at verse 17, for now on, let no one trouble me. He's talking about these Judaizers. For I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus, rather. So as he's bringing it home, Paul wants to remind them that he is called to be an apostle, a messenger. He's challenged the Judaizers. He doesn't want to have any more conversation with them. And the final proof of his work is that he has the marks of Jesus on his body. And those marks basically were a sign that he is owned by Christ. It's like a brand that back then they used to put on either slaves or cattle. They referred to the scars on his body that he received because he was being persecuted for the sake of the gospel. All right. Now we may not have physical scars in today's culture, 
But you and I, we got some spiritual scars. We got scars that remind others, hey, um, that person has really been walking with God. The marks of the Lord Jesus were not connected to his circumcision. But the marks that Paul was dealing with was based upon the fact that he had been whipped, being within an inch of his life, had rocks thrown at him, was run out of town, um, uh, was constantly abused as far as that's concerned. All right. Let me drop this on you because the gospel of Jesus Christ will bring some scars to your life. You cannot authentically be a disciple of Jesus Christ and live in this world for some time without having some scars. Be it physical, mental, or emotional, or spiritual. The gospel does not get spread unless you and I get beyond our physical, spiritual, and emotional discomfort and reach out to others setting ourselves up to be rejected. Okay. Let me close. Brethren, Paul says, brothers and sisters, because the word brethren is inclusive. The grace of our Lord Jesus be with your spirit. He calls them brothers. And I would dare say that that includes sisters. He, he is he is closing this letter the same way he opened it up in the first chapter. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Grace was extended and grace is what Paul wanted them to have with this urgent pleading that he gave that he said, I want you all to get back to appreciating the gospel of Jesus Christ and appreciating the salvation you have, not by works, but appreciating this salvation because of the grace of God. I close with this, and I hope this blesses you. Paul drives this point home because Paul said, why is it that you want that, that you will allow for God to free you from the prison of the law for you to walk back into prison? Why is it that you would want God to open up the jail cell of rules and regulations and you just stay in that jail? How sad is it for you to be freed from the bondage of sin only to try to engage in a bunch of rules and regulations to get right with God? Here's what I want to drop on you. If you really believe in Jesus Christ, you have been set free. You are free not to do what you want to do, but you're now free to do all and become all that God will have for you to be. So instead of you going back to some form of slavery, be it to legalism or to sin, use this freedom 
that God has given you through Jesus Christ to live for Christ and to serve Jesus as Jesus desires, fully, freely, boldly, courageously, that people will see your good works and glorify your God who is in heaven. I pray that our study on Galatians has been a blessing to you uh, as it has to me, uh, as I've learned and shared with you all. So before I uh, close out, want to um, see if there are any questions uh, or concerns that you all may have. If so, um, uh, let us know. Any questions or concerns? Any questions or concerns? If not, as we prepare to um, close out, uh, as I've shared with you all before, especially in last week, I told you, you know, you don't have to give anything. You don't have to give anything. You just miss out on the blessings that God wants to bring to your life. Uh, but I want to give you an opportunity uh, to tap into what the Lord wants to do with you, in you, and through you. So, Part of that is I don't give trying to get God's righteousness and I don't give trying to maintain my salvation. I do this stuff because I am saved. I do this stuff because I have a relationship with Jesus Christ. I come to church because I have a relationship with Jesus Christ. I do the work of ministry because I have a relationship with Jesus Christ. I ain't doing it trying to get right with God. I do it because I am what? Right with God. Same way with your giving. So as you prepare to give and if you so feel led to give, we want to give you this opportunity to do that. And you can give even now as far as our time of study together is concerned. One of the ways you can give is by either dropping off your check or money order here at the church, uh, 1401 Allen Street, Charlotte, 28205. Uh, drop off your money order, check or cash here at the church. Um, mail your check or money order, um, or you can bring check money order cash to the church. Call the church office to make sure someone is here to receive your offering at 704-334-5309. Um, and we'll put it in the safe to make sure it's part of next week's count. The other way you can give is through uh, our website, uh, Church Life or uh, ACS. And then you can give through the app called Givelify. Uh, however you feel led to give, you're more than welcome to do that right now, as far as giving is concerned, uh, you're sowing into great ground. The Lord is doing a great work here and through the St. Paul Church. And um, we are appreciative of your kindness and your graciousness. Well, um, we will be starting a new lesson. Uh, we're going to be shutting down Bible study sometime near the end of June. Uh, but we will start a new lesson next week. I have, I'll be honest, I have yet to get a bead on what it is the Lord will have for me to share with you all. Uh, so come back next week and see what we're going to delve into and uh, see what the Lord is going to take us through as far as the next several weeks. Uh, may God bless you. Have a smile upon you. God be gracious to you. And as Paul gave his benediction to the church at Galatians, brothers and sisters, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ.
be with your spirit and your personhood. Amen. Take care. God bless. <laughs>